and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I'm one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart, and today uh, we are having a returning guest, uh, the beloved, the incredible Dr. Cheryl Woodson. And she and I are going to do our best to try and stay on track with the topic this time. So let's see what happens. Enjoy. Dr. Cheryl, we did it again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Hannah? Oh, I'm I'm doing I am doing well this morning. I uh, I woke up on the right side of the bed, and then I walked into the right side of the kitchen, and then I went to the right side of the garden. So like <laughs> things are going pretty well for me today. How about you? I'm on the right side of the ground, so that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> And I just finished moving and unpacking and I'm sitting in my new sanctuary and I just love it. It's very Ah, wonderful. uh, So that is so great. Now, do you do the thing when you move and when you pack in my, in my, my dream scenario is that I sort everything before I get to my new location, but it never happens that way. You know, like what's your packing moving strategy? I have moved 11 or 12 times in my life and I have it down to a science. I have okay. the boxes labeled with what room they're supposed to go into and what the major stuff is in the box. Yeah. And I can live in chaos while I'm moving out because in my head, I don't live there anymore. But the movers came on the 21st of November. They were gone uh, of February. They were gone by noon. By noon on the 22nd, my underwear was in the drawers. I mean, oh, <laughs> yes! it was all set up. It was wonderful because I need to be home. So no, having that, just the major stuff that's in that box. So I know where everything is. It just, it works fine. It it takes, it took, it took me multiple, multiple moves to get there, but I should count how many times I've moved because that would be a fun number just to know. But um, that really is the strategy. You know, it's like, it's like you start off and you think I'll just take everything out and then sort it when I get there. But that is False. That will make your, that will delay the process. You'll drive yourself crazy. You'll end up going to Target and buying underwear because you can't find your underwear. Like if you've been there, you Uh know that you have to put your priority boxes together. You're like, well, this is my immediate, I'm going to need this every day. I need, I need to grab my peppermint oil. I need to grab my favorite toothbrush. I need like my stuff to make me function. So I can unpack the boxes. Well, I got my keys about a week before the movers were scheduled. I do that every time too. So that I come every day with a a van full of whatever. And I set up the kitchen and the bathrooms and the bedroom. And then I was ready for the movers to come. So that is very brilliant. That is brilliant. That is brilliant because you need to be able to function in your life, even as your life is changing, right. which brings us to our topic for today. Uh, you know, if you uh, earbuds, uh, listeners, um, and anyone new to analyze this, if you haven't already heard uh, Dr. Show before, she is a returning guest here on the podcast. Um, and I just, I got to tell you, people loved you, man. People oh, loved you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I, I love being here. We had a good time last time. We had a good time. We had a good time. Uh, and one of the one of the things that we we got in our feedback was people really wanted to hear more specifically about experiences of caregiving and self-care. Um, I, I, I'm not I'm good at caregiving. I'm not good at like not losing my mind. Uh, you know, I periodically do. Yeah, you know? well, that's a lot because we value the nurturing part of us. It's part of our fabric. It's something we're trained to do, but also something we get a lot of value for ourselves out of doing. 
And sometimes we can give until it hurts and that's okay. But we have to remember that you never have to give until you're damaged. Never. And we forget to look for that line. I think it's hard too because the nurturing part, Mm -hmm. you know, comes a lot of times from the part that's been damaged. Right. And it actually sometimes affirms that damage or explains that damage. The problem is you can't continue to pour out if you don't fill up and you can't give on fumes because stuff happens and then you have nothing to deal with it. You know, something that you did not expect to happen happens and here you are on fumes and you can't continue. So taking care of yourself, if you can't think about doing it for yourself, do it for the people you're taking care of. Mm. So that you'll have that little extra in case all hell breaks loose, in case one of the movies drops to. a drops your 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 box of box of Fabergé eggs, which exactly. is the one thing that you just really just the one thing you really love, or their box of Fabergé eggs, and they're upset about it, and you want to take right. care of them. So if you can't do it for yourself, do it yeah. for the people that you believe you want to take care of, because what happens is you end up taking poor care of them, and that doesn't work for anybody. No, no. Yeah, God, that's so true. Do you think kids today even know what a Fabergé egg is? (laughs) And the the fact, I'm surprised you did. And the fact that I did tells you how old I am. What is the exact, a Fabergé egg is a delicate egg art, right? It's like a porcelain egg. Let's like, they're gorgeous and they're fragile and they are very expensive. Yes, they're very, yes. Okay, look, let's just, let me just tell you guys, this is, wow, they're very expensive. Jesus, this Fabergé egg is $33 million. Yes, because, you know, (laughs) Fabergé has been dead for what, 200 years and nobody's making them anymore? Oh my God. Um, and they're decorative. They're they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. I have always used the term like, oh, and it's pretty topical because they're Russian. Listen to this. A Fabergé egg is a jeweled egg created by the jewelry House of Fabergé in St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm -hmm. Wow. There were only 69 created, 57 of which survived today. uh, And they were made between the year 1885 and 1917. Now we know. Huh. I always thought a Fabergé egg, like, used colloquially, just meant, like, a delicate, beautiful object. Nope. It's a thing. It's a real thing. (laughs) Well, damn, do not (laughs) drop that box. (laughs) Wow. Okay, good. Well, now that we've covered that, I think we could uh, we could get into the the real meat of it. We're going to take a really quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the first two, two aspects, the first two tips for caregiving survival. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. All right. So what are, what is the first, will you tell me one tip for caregiving Well, these survival? are the five keys to caregiver survival. Five keys. Five keys of caregiving survival. To caregiver survivor. And the first keys. one is do yeah. not put your head in the sand. 
And it comes from the idea about the myth of ostriches, that when they are in danger, they put their head in the sand, thinking that if they don't see it, it doesn't see them. The problem is when you put your head in the sand, you present a bigger target. (laughs) And ostriches get their backside shot off all the time. That's why there's ostrich burgers and Trader Joe's and stuff like that. But the the reason that people don't want to see the problem is not just denial, but ageism. Mm. A lot of times people think older adults are supposed to fall, are supposed to lose memory, are supposed to have the problems that we see in older adults who are actually ill. This is not normal aging, but people don't know that. So they accept, oh, she's just slowing down or, oh, he's just a little senile. Or They don't really think of these as problems they should investigate and try to figure out what they have to do. And that's ageism. But the other reason is denial. They don't want to see it because the person that they rely on for emotional support, sometimes financial support, <laughs> you know, can't be getting sick because if I'm leaning on them and they're in trouble, then I'm in trouble. Hmm. Or they realize that once you accept that there's a problem, the rest of your life is going to be it's about way to change. different. And p- why would anybody want that? I mean, my mother had Alzheimer's disease and in the seventh year of a 10 year caregiving relationship, she looked at me and said, do I know you? Why would you want to put yourself in a position of risking that kind of pain? So the denial is totally understandable. The problem is that if you don't look at the problem quickly, you miss opportunities to improve things because not everything that you see is permanent. You know, maybe it's a urinary tract infection. Maybe it's they might be pissed. Right. There might be a medication side effect, something that you could fix. Or if it's something you can't fix, you can get ahead of the planning so you don't get blindsided. So it's important to find out if you need help. Mm. Oh, that's don't put your head in the sand. You know, it's when you first said that, you know, how to, as a, I, I, as a parentalized child, like as someone who grew up as a caregiver, mm-hmm. I always forget that this stuff um, can be scary. Oh my goodness. I, I, I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like here I'm, I'm 35 and I'm getting older. And in the next, you know, tra- next phase of my life, the next 30 year chunk of my life, I'm going to be watching my friends probably go through stuff I went through in my teens or mm-hmm. when I was a kid, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I think, wow, making space, making room to feel concerned is a really great tip. But the don't put your head in the, a key. Don't put your head in the sand. If someone's behavior is changing, mm-hmm. it's okay to to accept that. How do I want to put this? Well, not only is it okay, it's necessary. It's necessary. That's what I was going to say. Because You're going to get, get your behind blind. shut off. Exactly. That's the problem. But it's not just if you notice it, if your nosy neighbor notices it, or your bossy brother notices it, or your sister-in-law who you can't stand notices it. The fact that they're bothering you doesn't mean they're wrong. If anybody thinks there's a problem, go find out if you need help. Okay. And then what is, so what does that mean tangibly? Like, let's say I have a friend whose uh, grandmother died from dementia. I I know a handful of people who have had experiences with their grandparents and, and Alzheimer's. Um, 
I guess it's the parent's responsibility, but what, let's say you're, you're concerned about a family member. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be putting your head in the sand. Let's make it a little less scary right here. Like what's the, what's the first thing do you, you do? Do you talk to your parent? Do you talk to your grandparent? Do you call a doctor? What, like, well, what do I do? think it, it brings up another one of my products, basically like the five keys is one, but the other one is the level of care prescription. You need to find out what care this person needs. And that means getting an evaluation by somebody who knows older adults. Now, it would be great if it could be a geriatrician, but there are very few geriatricians in this country. Mm. But in most major cities, there is some academic center, some hospital system that has a geriatrics program. And if you're not in a major city, you need a strong adult medicine doctor, somebody who understands not only Adults, adults, but yeah. older adults, somebody who understands just like kids and pediatrics is not just little adults, <laughs> you know, geriatrics and older adults is not just adults who happen to have been on the planet a little bit longer. There are changes in the way the body responds to things to show you that they're sick, how long it takes somebody to get better once you figure it out. I mean, there's all kinds of things that somebody as a healthcare professional needs to understand and you need to find somebody who does that. Uh, the American Geriatric Society is a national organization of people who focus on older adults. And you can call them and find out their members that are in your area if you don't have a university or somebody that has a geriatrics program. But what they will give you is the level of care prescription. And they do a formal assessment, which is more than just checking people's blood pressures, making sure their blood work is normal, but it looks at their function how well they can take care of themselves, how well they can move around and their mental concerns, not just memory, but judgment and, and depression and everything that goes along with it. It's more than just how you feel in the day. Let me write your prescription. You know, it's, yeah, it's no. what's the difference between what you need to be able to do to be completely independent and what yep. you can do. And that difference is the level of care. And the level of care prescription is 10 questions. The first five define the problems. Like, what's wrong with this person? Yeah, let, let me let me just let me just s slow you down because I'm, okay. I'm intaking. I'm intaking. Okay. So when before we get the person to the place, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's say they're willing to go, but like I'm saying, like really basic or not basic, but what are some signs? Like, you know, my mom became disabled when I was very young, and some signs for us was, well, she has schizophrenia, so it's hard, okay. but like, was like, um, when did you buy that milk? You know, mm -hmm. like there, there are ways I just want to talk about a little, just spend a little time before we get into the, the prescription, mm -hmm. but how do, how do we as an adult individual see what are some warning signs? Hygiene, I guess was one. Hygiene is one, but the first thing is to understand what normal aging is. You know, right. it is they're not down. supposed to fall. They're not supposed to slow down. Anything oh. that they want to do, they should be able to do. It may take people longer. I'm not saying that aging is optional, but it's not a disease. So given the same amount of time, an older adult is going to respond as effectively as a younger person. They're just not as efficient, maybe. But, but give them enough time, they're going to do what they used to do. So what did they used to do? My mother was the macaroni and cheese queen of the entire family. She started making macaroni without the cheese and didn't realize it. 
Okay. I mean, little, but little things. I mean, are yeah. they not able to count Trump as well when they're playing, <laughs> playing big with, you know, are they not dressing? My mother was a fashion plate. Is this person now showing up in buttons and bows or not? Mm. You know, what's different? What are they not doing that they used to be able to do? And I don't want to sometimes is I can't. So you just have to figure out what is the real difference? You know, oh, why yeah. are they not doing what they used to do? Is it because they have knee pain? My aunt, my aunt, 95 year old aunt was teaching three line dancing classes a week and stopped because she couldn't hear the music. But if we hadn't really pushed to find out why she wasn't dancing anymore, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to go down there. Well, wait, wait a minute. You've been doing it. She couldn't hear. That's and then we true. got a chance to do something that might improve that. So what's different about what they're doing? They're not yeah. supposed to sleep more. They're not supposed to sleep less. <laughs> they're not supposed, you know, not supposed to do do less. And I think that like in American culture, in our culture, in this culture, mm-hmm. you know, we vilify and really make aging into a disease as if yes. the second your body starts to request things differently of you, mm-hmm. that is a big giant warning sign. But the reality is, it's like, hey, if your dad at the barbecue always loves to throw around the football and one day he throws around the football and hurts himself, it doesn't mean like what's the sign beforehand that he needs to stretch a little bit first before he can't just jump out of his chair right. and start wrestling with the boys. But it's not because it's not because he's never going to be able to do it again. And right. I think he has that to that's do it the differently. Fear. Well, the yep. other thing, there's two other things. One is one of my pastors said that when a young man plays basketball, he drives to the hoop. An older man develops a fadeaway jump shot. They still score. <laughs> you, know, you have to do it differently. But, you know, but the other thing is people are chasing youth. You know, like menopause is not a disease state. Having a hot flash is not the end of the world. You don't have to give yourself hormone injection. You know, it's it's normal. Right. This is normal aging. You don't have to be, I wouldn't be, sorry, no offense. I wouldn't be 30 again for all the money in the world. I was too stupid. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I didn't really get it. So there's nothing wrong with aging. In fact, we're aging from the minute we're conceived. You know, an embryo has a tail. You don't have it when you're born. Well, like you don't good. have your, your baby teeth when you're 12. You don't have your wisdom teeth when you're 30. <laughs> so this is, there's always change. But it's aging prop, is just a, maybe adjustment. It's adjustment. And it is what are you going to have to do differently and still create joy in your life? But basic things, if somebody can't cook, isn't, isn't able to make the kolachkis as well as she used to. Or whatever used to give them joy, if they're not doing it anymore, we need to ask some questions. It doesn't, Mm. maybe they fell out with their Kolachki buddy and they don't like them anymore. We don't know. But whatever it is, you need to ask those questions. And not Mm. as an indictment, but what's going on? Yeah. What can we do to bring you joy? I love, I I just want to highlight this again. Some, it's sometimes I don't want to means I can't. Sometimes I don't feel like it means I can't. And we discovered this, you know, with with my mom is that we used to go on walks and she was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, can we just meet here? And then I was like, huh, she never wants to leave. Like she only wants to be there. 
Right. You know, and it was because her heart was beating too hard and she right. would start sweating if she went down the stairs and this, that. So um, that is that is absolutely wonderful. So keep your head out of the sand because no matter what, the hunt if the hunt if you think you see a hunter and you're put your head in the sand, you're just making yourself a bigger target. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So find out if you need help. Now, once you've determined there's cause for action, you started talking about what what did you call it? The 10 It's the 10 questions that make up the love of care prescription. And people can find that on my website, uh, drcherylwoodson.com. There's a caregiver survival packet that they can download. Drcherylwoodson.com for the the level of care prescription. And that is so helpful and so, so useful. So be sure to check that out at drcherylwoodson.com. We'll include a link in the description of the episode. But let's move on right now to caregiving survival key. Number two. Right. And All that right. is take the S off your chest or step away from the kryptonite. Oh. Most caregivers want to be super caregiver. You know, and people do with one or two people what it takes three shifts of nurses to do in a hospital or a nursing facility. And you do need help. Yeah. You do need help. What what would it take? Now let's 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 paint a picture for our listeners who maybe don't know what three shifts of nurses do in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is again in like the level of care uh, I- idea. But what? Yeah. So what does it mean when you're taking care of someone? I mean, you're checking up on them. They're like a baby. You know, you well, have to- you're doing things. You are. You may be bathing and cooking and doing laundry and giving medications while you're trying to work. And take care of your kids and do whatever volunteer work you do or everything else that you do. Try to stay married. You know, all of these things that you're doing while in a nursing home or a facility, nurses work eight hours a day, eight hours per shift, sometimes 12 hours, focused only on taking the care care of the people they're assigned to. You as a caregiver are doing this 24 hours a day with everything else that you're doing. Yeah. It's not possible. It is kryptonite. And people do this also, like, let's, let's bring it up to the surface even more. You know, let's say you're not, you're like, well, my parents aren't disabled. They're not in a home. I don't bathe them. Mm -hmm. So what, what right do I have to be exhausted? Let me ask you this listener. Are you your parents only friend or only source of emotional comfort? Mm -hmm. Then take the S off your chest because that, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And even if you're not doing anything, but you're worried about doing something, (laughs) you're worried about whether they have enough money, worried about whether their bills are getting paid, worried about what you're going to do if. I mean, I had somebody tell me, I'm an only child. What am I going to do? It's like, well, there are things to think about. You're going to start making a plan. That's what you're going to do because you're here listening to analyze this and we are here for you, man. You're not alone. And you people, everybody's doing this. You're not alone. You're not alone. And people are surviving caregiving. So it is possible. You just have to get the tools that you need and the support that you need and learn to put yourself higher on that to-do list. Yeah. No, don't let yourself get burned out. I I see a lot of people develop really codependent relationships uh, with their parents. And it's kind of hard because, you know, let's say, like, let's let's say your parents, let's say you were raised by a single mom or Mm -hmm. your parents got divorced, or for some reason you have a mother or a father who does not have a community around them. Mm -hmm. You cannot be 
their entire community. That's their life. That's their story. That's what, that's what, that's what they built. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't, they had friendships. You don't, you're not responsible for being their everything and no one can be just on the the emotional side. At the same time, they are not your entire story either. You're grown. You got to crawl out of their laps and crawl out of their pockets (laughs) and take care of yourself. You really do. That puts too much stress on them and on you. But I'm glad that you brought up the term codependency because it does go in both directions. Caregiving, this older adult, adult child relationship is at risk for codependent toxicity. I I just want to share with you a resource that I've given to families for years. It's called Codependence Anonymous. It is a 12-step program that helps you explore all the characteristics of being codependent and helps you move toward healthier boundaries and healthy relationships. And it's coda.org. Yeah, it's a real thing. Codependency is a real thing. Um, I read the book, The New Codependency, which the mm-hmm. author originally was Codependent No More. And right. if, a tw- if a 12-step program's not for you, or if you, a lot of adult children of alcoholics end up being codependent because they've been trained to do it. Um, but so if you want something short and condensed, my recommendation, if this is kind of ringing true, is... Uh, the new codependency. It's a book. It's a workbook. It's really good. It'll it'll start to open, unlock that box. But Dr. Cheryl yeah. and I both know that that is a big subject. So we're going to stay on track. Story. <laughs> That's a whole different thing, honey. There's only right. so many things we can solve. So right. we're going to stay on track and uh, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the key to caregiving survival number three. I am loving this keychain, this key ring. (laughs) This key ring is great. So we have, don't put your head in the sand. We have, take the S off your chest. And now, uh, caregiving survival key number three. Is don't ask, don't tell, won't work. Oh my God, I was like, whoa, it's don't ask, don't tell. (laughs) Don't ask, don't tell, won't work. You have to tell people you need help. A lot of people don't, they feel ashamed. They don't want people to think they need help or they don't want to think that their loved one needs help. They're trying to preserve somebody's integrity or whatever, but you do need help. So you have to ask for it. Mm. But there are three caveats in this key. One of them is show up or shut up. The people you ask to help you have to either help you or go away. (laughs) (laughs) They can't stand there and criticize you and not help. That's not helping. Feedback? That's not help. No, Somebody's saying, need- well, you know what you should do. Somebody's saying, well, it's because you, it, no, that's right. just feedback. That's somebody just talking. They need to do what you ask them to do or go away and leave you alone. The second caveat is don't lean on reads. It comes from a book by Lori Beth Jones called Jesus in Blue Jeans, and it talks about characteristics that if we followed them, our lives would be easier. And one of them is that he did not lean on reads. If somebody repeatedly proves unreliable, stop relying on them. The problem is not that your sister won't help you. It's that you keep expecting her to. (laughs) So you got to get that. I mean, just it's like if he's... This rings really true. It is absolutely true. And it is, you know, it relates to the head in the sand. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. people say, 
don't let somebody shows you who they are. They don't tell you who they are. They show you who they are. And it is grief. It is grief for the relationship you wish you had with that mm-hmm. person. But honey, you got to let it be. And it's it's anger and it's it's not fair and it's self-righteousness. Well, look at how hard I'm working and you're not doing anything. It's also old grievances. Daddy bought you a car, you know, all of those things. But it was Maya Angelou who said, if somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Yes, yes. <laughs> Keep going. Yes. And, and it's tough. It is, it is sad. Like you said, like you might be bringing over old hangups, but it's not serving you to keep waiting for the people who you wish could give you help. They're just taking up space. There are, there are so many people out there in the world who can love you. Like, especially in the queer community, we have found family in mm-hmm. so many ways. And that's um, something that my grandmother used to say, you pick your friends, your family's accidental. <laughs> You know, I love it, that. It's, you really have to. She also used to say, "There's no should. There's only is." I mean, you really need to get help from people who are going to help you. The third caveat: because it, ta- it does, it takes up energy. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, it does no, take no, up no. energy to ask for help. Which is why, if you're going to expend the energy to ask for help, you need to get the results. Right, and it's a risk. And once somebody slaps you, why take that risk again? You know. But the third caveat is don't accept responsibility without authority. If you have to do the work, the person who has the money and whatever other strings has to be lockstep with you. You can't have somebody say, oh, no, you don't need that. Or no, this doesn't make sense. If you are on the line, you have to have the person who has authority, if you don't have it, in with you. And what you do is you step back and tell them they can have both. It's like, okay, you can have responsibility and authority. And trust me, if you say show up or shut up, if you stop leaning on reads and you don't accept responsibility without authority, in my experience, people will show up and help you or they will go away. (laughs) Oh, I I, I underlined this uh, responsibility without authority because... You know, it worked. I I first encountered this concept in like how to how to be a part of a workplace kind of thing, and then also in couples therapy, which is that you can't micromanage a task that you've assigned to the other person. For instance, you know, we just had a barbecue this weekend, and I was like, I was going through my own thing, and I was like, I here's what I can do: I can sweep the yard, I can set up the grill, I can set up the table, I can get everything outside going, but that's it. Like that's yeah. the most I can help for this barbecue because I have a full day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then like, and then Ella handled all the, the kitchen stuff and the cooking stuff and going to the grocery store, which thank God, because I, I hate going to the grocery store. Um, and the reason we're able to get there is because we don't try and micromanage each other's tasks. You mm-hmm. know, I wasn't sitting there trying to say, well, when you go to the store, you got to get this, this and this, or she wasn't sitting there trying to tell me how to set up the yard. You just mm-hmm. have to give responsibility with authority. And, right. and, and it, it does just make things so much smoother. And, and just don't let, I mean, this is my brother and I had this issue because he was disagreeing with me about something that was necessary. And I said, okay, you're not going to sit on the fence and throw stones at me. You're either going to no get way. on this side of the fence and help me, or you're going to get on the other side of the fence, renounce your power of attorney and give it to me. Yep. <laughs> yes. Can't. And then I went and cried because you don't talk to your big brother like that. But yeah. it, it allowed us to clear some air and then we were able to really work together. So I think yes. those those first three keys, I think, are critical. 
It's huge. Yeah. And I, I also, uh, my sister and I take care of our mom together. Um, but I'm, I'm the conservator, all the paperwork's in my name, all final decision-making is not shared. And when we went for, when I went for conservatorship, we made specifically a point to each other to not make joint conservatorship. I have full conservatorship mm -hmm. because it, it, it would be too damn messy mm -hmm. to have so many brainstorms. I'm a capable problem solver. Let's mm -hmm. just live our lives. You know what I mean? Well, it, oh, it depends on how each family works it out. But also in the book to survive caregiving, there's some specific language that you can learn to use. Ooh, and where do people find this book? This book is on Amazon.com. It's also in your, your favorite bookstores because it's distributed through Ingram. But Amazon.com, you can get it ebook form as well as paperback. And it gives you specific language to use so that you can get your stuff done and still have Thanksgiving dinner with your family next year. Oh, I, you know, I have this book now. I'm going to go strip, jump straight to that section and read okay. it. Okay. Right, okay. But for our listeners, uh, again, Dr. Cheryl Woodson, she has the books available online and you can find out all about her at her website, drsherylwoodson.com. Dr. Cheryl Woodson, hit me with that caregiving key number four. Number four is if you don't want to have to drive all the time, take your hands off the steering wheel. You have to let people help you. And that's more what you and Ella were talking about, about letting, not micromanaging. If somebody is helping you, do you mm -hmm. care whether it's the blue shirt or the green shirt that they put on? Do you care if they use tuna or chicken? You have to let people care the way they care. I mean, if the doctor says it's a specific medication, yeah, you have to insist. Other than that, you can't micromanage. And whenever caregivers say, well, nobody will help me, I always ask, what did you say to them the last time they tried? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you have to value what people can do. Maybe they can't give hands-on care, but can they get your car tuned up? Can they pick your kids up from, college, from basketball cool. practice? Can they go grocery shopping? I mean, let people help in the way they can help and value what they can give. Yeah. And don't micromanage. And if you if you uh, can't think of a way that anyone could possibly help you out, it's because you are neglecting yourself, my friend. It's because your car you probably is probably filthy as hell, and you can't mm -hmm. even fathom revealing to someone how mm -hmm. dirty it is. So it's like then let them help in another way. I have I have a friend who uh, has a relationship with their mother who's fully able bodied. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, would just talk and talk and talk and talk. And if it's not working for you, it's not working, mm -hmm. period. Don't, make sure you don't martyr yourself. You know, I really feel like that is so, I guess it's something that nobody ever talks about, right? Because we give all the praise to caregiving, mm -hmm. right? Right. But I think the other reason is not just that you're not taking care of yourself. The other one is the codependency factor. Nobody can do it as well as I can. I can't let anybody else do this because this is my life. This is my relationship. This is, and that is dangerous. Caregiving is, that is dangerous. not an identity. You're, it God, you're so right. That is and dangerous. the season of caregiving does pass. And then what? You know, you, you have to realize that you are more than a caregiver today. Because you're going to be more than a caregiver tomorrow. So you, you have to invest some energy in other things that give you joy outside of caregiving. Mm. Otherwise, it's not healthy. Mm -mm. No, that's not good care. I had a woman who 
cooked dinner for her family, went and to her mother's apartment and slept in her mother's bed every single night. And her mother had passed on the year before. She couldn't let go. So, so you, you really don't want to lose yourself in that way. So you have to let other people help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a lot, like what helped me learn that was first I had to learn myself, you know, I had to learn how to be good to myself or what kind of things I needed, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then once you get there, then it makes it seem more possible that people could give you help because otherwise you're just hurting yourself, man. And you're the just first making thing your is life- that you deserve help. That you yes, don't you have do. to die doing this. I had a 58-year-old caregiver drop dead and leave two 80-year-old people here because she knew to the last pill when their prescriptions need to be refilled, but she hadn't had her blood pressure taken. She didn't know she was diabetic. That heart attack seemed to come out of nowhere, but it didn't actually. It was from yeah. self-neglect. So Dang you have stop. to let people help you and allow yourself to take care of yourself too. I feel like if we could just get everybody to learn this stuff in their like 30s, then they would have a really rocking out killer 60s, man. Uh, if they could learn it in their 20s, believe me, there are teenagers. Like you said, you were a teenager, you know? Yeah. I but think I think it puts you ahead of the curve, right? Because yeah, everybody just like, needs to understand that while you're taking care of the house and the money and all the other things, you have to take care of the one thing that makes all of that possible. You have to take care of their caregiver. Or it doesn't yes. work. Yes. Yes. You have to take care of the caregiver. And that, oh, yes. And that's oh, the fifth wait. key. The fifth key is put your mask on first. <laughs> yeah, there it is. The fifth key. Look at that. Wow. Look at us. Podcasters. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about this fifth and final key. So it's put what, your mask on it's first. It's what flight attendants tell you to do in case of an emergency. Put your mask on first. You cannot take care of them if you're sick. You can't take care of them if you don't take care of you. Mm. And if you can't bring yourself to take care of you, then that is something worthy of your time. It's not overwhelming. It's, I mean, it is overwhelming, but it's not impossible. It is overwhelming. It's probably related to like, I don't know, a lot of bad shit that happened in your life. But and guess what? You're still breathing. Right. And it's worth getting counseling to help you do that. It's If you can't take care of yourself, there's something else going on. It has nothing to do with that particular caregiving system. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dr. Cheryl, I'm so proud of us. I'm so happy <laughs> to have you back. If people Thank want, you, so um, you have so many tools and resources uh, that are available. I, I cannot stress this enough. Um, just you, you've been so generous with your gifts, you know, for, for all of the different, the worksheets, uh, the books. Etc. You've been so generous with your gifts. So I just want to say, as a caretaker learning to put years back on my life right now, I, I, I thank you. Truly, thank you. Well, thanks for the opportunity to share with your audience and to meet you and to meet them. And, you know, people can reach me through my website. Um, what's coming is several courses that I'm putting up that people will be able to register for. The books are available. And on my website, you can download the Caregiver Survival Package from drcherylwoodson.com. Wonderful. And then are you available on social platforms? What's your platform of choice? Yes, Facebook? I'm, I'm Facebook, Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't like, I'm not doing TikTok anymore, but um, 
if you put, I'm also, you know, doing blogs and all kinds of Facebook lives that are coming up. So if you have questions, send them to me through the website and I can deal with those in the podcasts and the blogs and those other things that are available. So I really look forward to hearing from people. Awesome. And if you guys do reach out to Cheryl Woodson or even just to give her a high five, make sure you told her that you heard her here on Analyze This. So again, for more of Dr. Cheryl Woodson, you can go to drcherylwoodson.com or look her up on Facebook. And as for me, um, you know me, it's me, Hannah Hart. I'm available across all platforms at Harto, H-A-R-T-O. And uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash analyze this. But my tip to you is get your hands on one of these books. Get your hands on one of these books and let Dr. Cheryl know that you are taking her words to heart. So thank you. Uh, We're here every Sunday. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Cheryl, for coming. Thank you. Bye-bye.